Hi everyone, welcome back to The Little Green Pasture. Welcome back, it's so good to have you back and welcome to all the new subscribers. You're so warmly welcome here to The Little Green Pasture. I know it says Johnny Stahl's Field Notes, but for many of you that don't know why I call it The Little Green Pasture is because when I first began, I called it Johnny Stahl's Field Notes and I felt so humbled, I'm still humbled, but I felt so humbled in the fact that the Lord had given me what I called a little handful of dirt. And so the first couple of months, three months, four months or so, I was praying every day and I would just see this picture of my hand holding dirt. And I'd say, Lord, thank you for this little patch of dirt. And there came a day where one day as I was praying that I heard him in my heart say to me, it's no longer a handful of dirt. It's now a little green pasture. So that's why I call it that. And it truly is a little green pasture where I like to say, where the chief shepherd dwells among us. So I'm here for the same reasons you are, to be gathered together unto him and to choose the good part that Mary chose, to sit at his feet, no one else's feet, but the feet of him that bringeth glad tidings to us of peace. So I'm going to pray and I'll get started. Dearest Father in heaven, I thank you so much, along with everybody I know that is praying along with me, that Lord, their hearts are toward you as mine is toward you. Lord, I take nothing for granted. I have no plan. I come without skill. I come without any anything, Lord, not of noble birth, not with great wisdom of this world, which is foolishness to you anyway. But I come to you, Lord God, as the lowest. Lord, I come to you, Lord, as a little blade of grass in your field in this world. I pray that, Lord, that I would reflect your glory, that your glory be reflected through this little simple vessel. Jesus, let them hear your voice and not mine, the sound of it. The Lord, I'll be speaking, be with my mouth and lead me onward. And I pray that you stand and feed your lambs and your sheep. And as always, I lay down everything and I commit and commend all to you and my own spirit for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you guys are probably wondering why I've been wearing these lately. My husband asked me, why are you wearing these lately? Because we live in a really tiny apartment and there's always so much noise around us. Like right now, there's somebody sawing wood right out of the side of that window. So that's why, in case you're wondering. Anyway, so it just kind of cuts out the noise and, uh, well, that's, all I want to say, in case you're wondering, maybe it won't always be like that. Well, praise the Lord. He teaches us how to be in any situation. I think that he keeps us mostly in situations that are difficult on purpose so that we don't get soft and that we can push through and be good, ready students and ready servants of Christ, ready soldiers. That's how soldiers learn. That's how students learn 
is there's always something pushing against them and they're pushing back. Praise the Lord. It gives us strength and power in his name. Amen. Lately, I've been thinking about what it really means to be the friend of the Lord. Because I was thinking of all the friendships in my life that have come and gone. People I thought that would be in my life and they weren't meant to be. People that died and went to heaven. And all kinds of failed ones. Ones that brought a tremendous amount of hurt. And ones that remain. And I was thinking so much about how Jesus calls us friends. But he says, you know, even though we're his friends, we're still his servants. He says, I know no longer, he says this in John 14, verse 14. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. I mean, do you really realize what that means to be a friend of God? Anybody can be a friend to any of us. We've experienced friendships of all kinds. Like I said, ones that bring us incredible joy, ones that have left us devastated, ones where we've been betrayed, ones where they left us, like I said, and I won't go through all that again. And so I started to think more and more after a few days because I kept thinking about it, thinking about it, about how we learn to be a friend a good friend to God and not just servants and it's really interesting because he first called them disciples when he called them he called them disciples and then he says I know I'll no longer call you servants I call you friends and then at the end he says he calls them his brethren and there's this growth of relationship with Jesus that he wants us to have just like them but that can only happen in daily concourse with Christ. I was thinking about uh, the different people that followed Jesus during his day. And I see certain people that follow him today. And it seems to be this long thread of friendship because anybody can say, well, I know the Lord and I study his word. But are you his friend? Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Not a friend. The friend of God. So Jesus can have all kinds of friends. But I, I personally don't want to be a friend of God. I want to be the friend of God. You know, something interesting happened to me the other day. I was reading the word. It was about three mornings ago. And as I was reading something, a message entered in from the Holy Spirit. And it was about obedience. And it was connected with friendship. And sometimes we can have friends, earthly friends that we get used to, or maybe they get too used to us. And so we start to not pay attention to the relationship of the friendship. 
we start to let maybe uh, we're taking for granted that they'll be in our life or taking for granted that they know what we're thinking or that we know what they're thinking. And yes, we're human. And this is meant for our learning. This is where we learn how to love. This is where we learn how to be friends with Christ, the friends of Christ, and to be friends with one another. There's so many different situations of friendships where we don't know what happened. Somebody misunderstood us and they went their way. Or we misunderstood them and we went our way. But you see, all these things are our instruction and they're building us up to be the friend of God. Because back to what I was hearing in the Lord when I was thinking about the friendship of God and I was reading something in the word, I heard, I'm going to do the best I can to give it to you how I heard the Holy Spirit say to me. Okay, so here it goes. What does it matter? If a person is obedient to me in everything, in every way, yet they have darkness in their heart, they have, they're unkind to other people, they're showing no mercy, they're not, they're not walking in my way but they're doing some kind of obedience that is to me that maybe to the world looks acceptable and to themselves feels acceptable to me and i'm doing the best i can because i don't want to put words in the lord's mouth but as i was hearing it it was that he was saying to me and showing it to me rather it's like all their obedience will mean nothing if they don't go and first love. I was thinking about the law. Before the law was given, the first thing he said to Moses is the first commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second was a love law. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, 18 i think it's 18 he says first he says in 17 that he is the full fulfillment that he fulfilled all the law and the prophets and that in romans chapter 18 romans chapter 13 paul says that love is the fulfilling of the law so i i saw it that the great foundation of god is love so we could go to war, we could fight, we could read our Bibles, we could do all these things. But if you don't have the love of God in you, our obedience is going to mean nothing. Almost, and I'm not putting the law, I'm not going to speak about the law. The law is a different subject. But try to understand and the Lord give you understanding the same way he caused me to understand it. And the Lord open your eyes to see. But it's like when it says in Galatians chapter 3, 10. That if, if one person goes about keeping the law and they break one of the laws, are they not guilty of breaking and offending the entire law? And, you know, I take this as much as for myself more than anybody, not just me saying something to you, to put something on you. 
but I heard it. And I'm glad God spoke to me about that. Because one day when I stand before Christ at the Bema seat, I want to know that I did everything God told me to do. And so do you. You want to hear him saying things to you. And that's what I heard. It's like the unjust steward. Oh, he was out working for his master. He was conducting his master's business. He was being obedient in everything, but he had no mercy on those that had no money to pay. And so when the word got back to the master, he says, what is this that I'm hearing about you? You're not going to be my servant anymore. And boy, that servant, we know when the word it says that servant went out immediately and he went to two different clients of that master and he said quick write up the bill give half because one was poorer than the other another one uh give give less i forget the amount but it was less so he had more to give so you know he said the master was offended and so i really thought it to myself i thought really it's true i could go out and i could do everything for the lord but if I have not love, then it is nothing. It absolutely is nothing. You know, I think about this script, not scripture, this quote I read by Charles Spurgeon. He says, if Christ is not all to you, he's nothing to you. He will never go into partnership as part savior of men. If he be something, he must be everything. And if he be not everything, he is nothing to you. Jesus doesn't do anything in part, but he does all things in whole. And so what the Lord said to me may, may speak to you, it may not, wherever you are in your walk with Christ. I know I, I don't want to split hairs. I know that when we're uh trying and we're growing and we're sometimes we're obeying even if our heart doesn't want to but we know that god says this is what i want but that's good friendship to god you're showing that you're his friend see jesus says for a servant does not know what his master doeth but i have told you all things that my father hath told me i'm telling you and jesus in john 20 21 he says as a father hath sent me so send i you so when we go out, we're letting the life flow of Christ go through us. You know, it says in Acts chapter 10, when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking to all those people in Cornelius's house, it said Jesus went about doing good. And, you know, we, we read those little things and we keep going. But what does that really mean? The, John says, if all the things that Jesus did were written, the whole world would not be able to contain the books that should be written. And are we not written letters of his? What are people reading about you? Can people say, oh, well, I know her. I know him. Oh, he's so, so obedient. He does all these things for the Lord. But yet he or she is mistreating people in their own home. Gossiping. I love what one of the old people, people I follow. I always follow the people from of old. There's nobody new that I follow. In this generation but i follow the ones who by patience and faith have obtained the promise i follow them we're told hebrews 12 but be followers of them who by patience and faith have obtained the promises i follow them 
when we say we know the Lord, I think this world is so pitched into darkness and so dead and so hungry and so thirsty. They're looking for love. They're looking for relief. They're looking for something. That's why they drink. That's why they take pills. That's why they go into grotesque sexual sin. But Jesus says, I've come. I have come that I may give you life. And that more abundantly. He didn't say you would be without affliction in the world. He didn't say that things will go smooth for you. He said he told us the truth. He promised to give. That's not a promise, but he said to us, in this world you'll have tribulation, but in me you shall have peace. Therefore, be of good cheer. Be happy. I've overcome the world. You know, Paul, when he was called by the Lord, he it was said of him in Galatians 1.16, it says, when God who called me forth out of my mother's womb to reveal his son in me. He said that I may preach him among the Gentiles. He said, I did not go immediately unto any of the disciples that were before me. Neither did I go unto Peter. None of them. He said, but I went alone. He went to Mount Sinai because he was a law man. He wanted to, he was a man that saw the Savior, the Messiah of Israel. He saw the Savior of the world in his glory, and it changed him because he saw him in his absolute powerful glory that was above the brightness of midday. That changed his life forever, forever. And it changed him as a man. And we read there's no other man like Paul that took on the absolute brutality of the powers of darkness. I was thinking about what a wonderful friend Paul was to Jesus, because that's what friends do. Yes, our friends, there's friends that will disappoint us. There's friends that will die. There's friends that will misunderstand us, but we have a friend that we run to. He's our friend at midnight. When we have nothing to give, who do we go to? I have a friend. Isn't it wonderful to know that you have a friend that you can go to any time of the day? You know, today I was thinking about, and I wasn't, I read it a couple days ago, and I thought about when Jesus appeared unto Joshua, the pre incarnate Christ in Jericho in John 5 13 through 15. I think about Joshua, and I'm going to read this in just a second, but it says, you know, we read about Joshua in Exodus, and we hear about him here and there, but we know he was the only other one beside Moses who was going up into that mount. And spending time with God. He wasn't anything at that point. He was someone who loved the Lord. Who loved God. He didn't know who Jesus was. But he went up in that mount. There was even a time when he was up on the mount with Moses. When the children of Israel. In chapter 32 of Exodus. Had Aaron make them a golden calf. Which really was a bull. And he said behold thy God O Israel who delivered thee out of Egypt and they were dancing and they were naked and they were, it was a horrible thing. 
Moses went down, dealt with that. But it said, but Joshua stayed in the camp. And in fact, it wasn't Moses who heard. What is that sound that I hear? For it is not the sound of revelry, nor that of victory, but of sin in the camp. He told Joshua that. Then Moses went down and executed the judgment of God. And, you know, that's where we become Jesus's friend. We become Jesus's friend. He becomes our friend first because we're desperate. There is a power of desperation that you say, I don't care what it takes now. What does it take? I'll do anything. What will it take? Desperation will lead to Christ or drive you from him and shake your fist at him. But I'll tell you something, there is a friend, a wonderful friend. And so we see here in Joshua 5, 13 through 15, we see Joshua, the son of Nun. He is the new commander in place of Moses. God was magnifying him in the presence of the children of Israel. He rolls away the reproach of Egypt from off of them. And then they realize they're going to war against Ai and the Canaanites who were terrifying. He had never been tested in this kind of war before. No, nothing like it. And right before this war, it says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And so what we're seeing here is the same person Jacob saw when he left his when he fled from Esau, who knew he would kill him. And he saw him that night in a dream, a ladder up reaching to heaven, and a man standing at the top and angels going up and down that ladder. And he said, this is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. And I knew it not. This is the same man that stood in the way of Balaam, who was hired by Balak to go and curse the children of Israel. And when Balaam was on his ass, the angel of the Lord had a sword in his hand and would not allow the ass to go by him. And even in a narrower path, Balaam took, that ass started to move her body to stop Balaam riding her. And that ass was given a mouth to speak. Why are you striking me? Ever since I have been yours from the beginning, when have I ever disobeyed you? It says in Psalm 119, 99, it says, for all are they servants. 
And that angel of the Lord, she said, the angel of the Lord is standing before me, is standing before us. And that's that same flashing sword that guarded the gate to the entrance of the Garden of Eden. That flashing sword that went back and forth. And that's the sword. And that was Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. The angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. And by the way, just for a short note, sometimes it's not. So I just want to be careful, okay? Because make sure you look it up. Study your study the word correctly. Because sometimes it talks about the angel of the Lord, but it's not referring to Christ because Christ, if there's just different scenarios, just I'm going to go on. So also too, it says, art thou for us or for our adversaries? Is no, no, but as a captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? In other words, he's saying, I'm not for you and I'm not for them. You're for me. Because the captain of the Lord's host, that host, he is the host of the armies of heaven. Humanity that wars with Christ is a division of it. When Joshua fell on his face, he worshiped and said unto him, he called him Lord. He knew it was the Lord. And so I see that Joshua, he was given power. He went into this great war. He was numbering his people that were going to go out to war with him. And I thought to myself, God I, is a numbering God. He always numbers his people. He numbers every person in every tribe in the Old Testament from the three-month-old baby and to the person who is in his old age from 50 years old and up, 60 years old and up. God numbers everybody. He numbers the hairs on our head. He's aware of you. He's aware of me. He's aware of the baby in your womb. He's aware of the baby that will be in your womb soon. He's aware of your children. And he loves us. And we are his friends. And the more you become the friend of God, the greater your service to him will be of joy. Always joy and peace. And you will be a a joyful servant. Because there's a friendship there. And I think that this friendships that I have had confidence in that didn't work out and left me wounded or hurt my feelings or offended me or angered me. We've all been there. I'm not angry anymore. I'm not offended anymore. But you know what it did? It pushed me to Christ to be his friend and to go the way of the love, the way of love. And let me let me go further. I want to say one more thing. You know, we we hear of Joshua at the end when he's old. When he's old, he says, you know, you go through the whole book and it's all wars, you know, all those book of the wars of the Lord. And you see Joshua fighting in his campaigns and he's going from one city to another city to another city. And he's taking Kings down, but see the Lord Remember, before he even went and fought that war in AI, the Lord showed up to him with his sword in his hand and he followed him all the days of his life because he knew his voice on the mountain before God could trust him to be to command him 
And so his obedience to him was pure obedience. It was the right kind of obedience. He had the fear of the Lord. And he was a man just like you and me. And yes, we hear all those wonderful words in Joshua chapter one, be of good courage, fear not. And you say, yes, these are good words. But you have to realize that man never commanded all those people. Now it's his. And he could not do it without the presence of God with him. And so when Jesus Christ and his pre-incarnate uh, appearing to him, he let him know, you're on my side. Isn't that far more powerful than saying, the Lord is on my side. But when he says no, basically he's saying, and I did some studying and the scholars have all said, the ones that we love so much, like McLaren, Gill, Elliot, Pulpit Commentary, Matthew Henry, they all said the same thing, that it meant, I'm not for either. You are on my side. And I feel this confidence in Christ that I don't have to do everything, but he does it all. And truly, it's not the sanctified life, the freest life that you can have, because really to be sanctified in the Lord is to become like a little child. That is when you're the freest ever is to be sanctified. This being sanctified doesn't mean you read more books and you apply more fastings and all those things are good. She knows the Christ that sanctifies you. And he said, unless you become like this little child, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Neither, he says in another place, neither are you going to see it, John chapter 3. And so we all want to be soldiers for Christ. We all want to do something for Christ. But if you're a soldier for Christ, but you're not his friend, then you're not going to be serving the fight of love. Because everything trends to his love. You don't have a love. I don't have a love to give you or anybody, not even my own family, but the love of God has to come down into us and it has to inflood me. It has to inflood you. Or otherwise you'll be going out and you'll, you'll, you'll it'll be hard work or you'll be obeying. But you love your friend. And when you are the friend of God, it will be accounted just like unto you as righteous. Yes, Jesus is our righteousness by the blood purchase at Calvary. But are you going his way? Let me keep going. So by the time it was the end of his life, we're all familiar with this. He says in Joshua chapter 24, 14 through 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. He has all the people gathered. He has all the chief men of the tribes. He has them, everybody out publicly. It's public. And says to them, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. In other words, if you have a better master, go to him. Whether the gods which were your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house will serve the Lord. And what's interesting, there is nothing written in the Bible about any of Joshua's children. Nothing. It's completely silent. And I take note of that. He's saying for me and my house, we're, we're thinking, okay, he's got children. He's got a wife, but you never hear anything else. But I say, but look at what he did. He made a public, 
whether his kids were going to follow on or not, he said, my house, me and my house will serve the Lord. He's making a public proclamation. He has spent a life of fighting, a life of standing, a life of charging into the battlefield, seeing powerful displays of God's wonder when he stood and said, sons, when they were being overwhelmed by the enemy, he said, sons, stand thou still over Ajalon and thy moon or the, over the valley of Gibeah. And it did. Look what God happens when you're the friend of God. See, Joshua was the friend of God. David said at his, before he died, he said, although my house be not so with God, yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. So you see, you have two instances of people who say, they talk about their house. One says, nothing about any of his family but he's saying the same words my house david says although it be not so with god although my house be not so with god yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure for this is all my salvation and all my desire because he was god's friend see something happens when you become his friend you're still going to pray for your family you're, and all those that failed us that failed you that have left you wounded broken scarred there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and he's alive he's alive And he is the one, the brother who is born for adversity, your adversity. David said, for he hath known my soul in adversity. Abraham, we see that Lord has spoken of Abraham and God said, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. You see, Abraham was the friend of God, and he said, I know him. Second Timothy 2.19, it says, The throne of God standeth sure upon this foundation, having this seal, the Lord God knoweth them that are his. It says there's a seal on his throne that says that. Are you his? Are you his friend? See, like he was saying to me, you can go, you can be obedient in everything. But what does it matter? It means nothing. In other words, if I may be very careful to say that, and I say this um, very carefully, it was as if I was hearing him say to me, your obedience means nothing to me if you don't love first. In fact, everything you've ever done will mean nothing if you didn't do it in the spirit of love. You came to me with filthy hands. And he is holy. And that's why we're to keep ourselves pure. Because every word of God is pure. And he's serious about keeping it pure. One last thing I'm going to read to you. 
I was thinking about the words that Thomas Spurgeon spoke 14 years after his dad died. And he says this, it is cause for real regret that none of my late dear father's words were preserved by means of the phonograph. Perhaps the next best thing is for me, his son and successor to repeat what proved to be his passing message. It should not be less forceful now, 14 years after its delivery, for the truth of God is unchanging. And here were his father's words. If you wear the livery of Christ, you will find him so meek and lowly of heart that you will find rest unto your souls. He is the most magnanimous of captains. There was, there never was his like among the choicest of princes. He is always to be found in the thickest part of the battle. When the wind blows cold, he always takes the bleak side of the hill. The heaviest end of the cross lies ever on his shoulders. If he bids us carry a burden, he carries it also. If there's anything that is gracious, generous, kind, and tender, yea, lavish, and super abundant in love, you always find it in him. His service is life, peace, joy. Oh, that you would enter on it at once. God help you to enlist under the banner of Jesus Christ. Is Jesus your friend? Are you the friend of Christ? Because he's the best friend you'll ever have. And your service to him will be pure. And you will fight against sin and you will fight against everything and the enemy of the enemy of God because you'll fight against those things that put your best friend on the cross. Amen. We are his friends and we will obey with clean hands. Be faithful unto death as his best friend and you will find that your life will be the best life you ever have, no matter what's going on around you. Be faithful unto death, Jesus says, and I will give thee the crown of life. Praise the Lord, our best friend, Jesus Christ, the most magnanimous of all captains. <laughs>